This is The M Word, a Studio 52 production, hosted by Ben Earl. Hello. Hi, guys. The Pigeon Army, M Worders, all you guys out there. This is a special episode of The M Word. This is episode 15. Of course, it's 15. The last one was 14. Of course, it's 15. Of course, I know my own podcast. So this is episode 15 of The M Word, and it's kind of a special episode today because I also have with me now um, millions of people all the way from Instagram, scattered around the globe, and they w- they're they also here now. now. Now, you guys are listening to this in the future, so they've gone, but they are here with me now in this moment, and... They're watching me record this and also going to chip in with some questions and bits and pieces like that, I think. Yeah, that's right. Russ Millions. Sorry, M-Worders. That was uh, me once again jumping out of the habit. I've, I've got to stay with you. Stay with you. Don't be distracted. So here's what's going to happen. Today is the day where Panantella Fool Us Season 7 is airing, I think tonight or tomorrow. So I thought what I would do is maybe talk about my experience with doing that show, the very first one in the world. Why not? Talk about all the things that kind of went into that, why I chose to do it, the effect I did, uh, some of the kind of aftermath of that. Um, and whilst doing that, we also have the people from Instagram watching um, and they'll be chipping in with some questions and bits and pieces, I think. We'll see what happens. Hopefully this won't be a mess. So yeah, that's it. So, here we go. I'm just going to keep saying here we go as if we haven't started. Of course we've started. Yeah, that's right. 58 millions, 57 millions are watching this. Um, Do you mean minions and minions? God, distracting me again. So, I apologise, M-Worders. It's, it's, it's blame the masses on Instagram. Right, so, here we go. Penn and Teller, Fool Us, back in 2010 was when I filmed that. Now, it aired in 2011, I believe, but I filmed that in 2010. That was 10 years ago. How crazy is that? 10 years ago. And it was a one-off special, a a pilot, a backdoor pilot for a series, but it was a one-off special, a pilot, and it had never been on anywhere in the world. So nobody really knew what to expect. And so when I was asked uh, if I wanted to take part, initially, I wasn't really that keen. Uh, It really wasn't something that I was considering doing. I really wasn't that interested in it. Um, you know, any of the people that know me know that I'm not really, I mean, this is a complicated issue which I could get into, but I'm not really motivated to kind of be famous or anything like that. It doesn't, although I find myself often opportunities to kind of do things like that, I'd find myself often in front of cameras. It's never really been one of the things that motivated me. So that was, I thought, why would I go onto this show and and do this magic trick where I'm going to be judged by people and there's an audience there and it's like the, the idea is to fool them and they're going to try and guess how it is. I mean, the, the whole concept of it sounded goddamn awful and I just thought, nope, there's literally no part of me that wants to do it. And I had a number of people around me that were trying to say to me, oh, you should, definitely should do it. But all of their reasons for wanting for me wanting to do it were very different. They were all like, oh, but you could do it and become famous. And I, it, that was never part of... What, what I wanted to do it for. Um, so it didn't really appeal to me. And then I was thinking about it and I suddenly thought to myself, well, hang on, I might be able to do something where I can kind of almost use aspects of their methodology against them. I mean, if you look at Palantella's approach, a lot of the time it's being to have 
this this not meta but a kind of exposed idea that you know they're their cups and balls is almost that they're, they're showing you what happens and yet it somehow becomes more magical you know the the effect becomes more interesting than the method and even if they tell you the method what they can generate can often be more interesting so i thought well you know maybe i can play with that concept and use it as a challenge and so i thought about doing it as a challenge to myself and so it's it's the reason that I chose to do the effect that I did. And for those of you that don't know that that haven't seen it, it's basically the it's a very simple idea. You have the cards shuffled, properly shuffled, legitimately shuffled. And we'll get into that bit in a minute. And then you spread them, look at them, turn them face down, and cut the four aces out. That's it, without kind of looking through the cards again or any of that stuff. And it had been something I'd worked on for years, ever since I heard the stories of uh, John Scarney, who, who could apparently do this. It turns out that the, those stories were stories, they were PR stunts. But in my head, when I was a youngster, I really thought that that was something that could be done. So I, I worked on it for a very, very long time until I was very comfortable with the fact that I could do it. And it was never really something that was, was a piece to show off with or anything like that. It was really kind of a personal challenge to me, and it was also a training exercise. It was I never saw it as a performance piece, ever. But suddenly, with the Pam and Teller show, it struck me as an opportunity to maybe use this effect in a way that they're not used to, where they'll be looking for a magic trick, really there is no trick. You know, I came out and I told, I'm literally telling them, I'm going to do this by sleight of hand, that's it. And that's what I'm doing. And so while they're looking for a trick, there is no there is no trick. It's just skill. I really am doing it. So I thought that was a kind of an interesting thing. And then the other part of it to me was, well, can I do it with them judging me with an audience watching with 12, you know, surrounded by multiple cameras and being put on the stage under the spotlight? You wheel in the block of ice and go do it. You know, that for me has always been a really interesting thing. You know, it's very easy if you film something at home and then you put it out on Instagram or Facebook or where on YouTube and you use take 19 or take seven or whatever it is. Now, not only can you choose the take that you use, you're doing it with very relaxed, knowing that you can choose your takes. So as a result of that, you completely relaxed. It's the most relaxed you can be. Whereas there's no substitute for if, if someone puts you in an environment, pushes you on and goes, go, you got one shot. You know, that's very different. That's an extremely different thing. You're dealing with adrenaline, the moment, the occasion. Maybe you don't have it that day, you know. Maybe you don't have it that day. And uh, someone, yeah, I was 28 at the time. So it was 10 years ago. So 28 years old. And I just thought, I'll just use that. I mean, it's always been my modus operandi. It's always been when something scares me or I find it, a bit challenging or I feel uncomfortable in that environment, I end up going towards it. So if it's new or unexpected or I don't feel like I'm capable of, of I don't have the skills to deliver maybe, I, I just find myself pushing and moving towards them. I, I don't know why. And so that was a really challenging environment to do an effect that felt like it was maybe cleverer than just a magic effect. It was openly just skill and... So that was the idea, and that's the only thing I had in my mind. And after working on it, I'd worked on loads of different ways of doing it. What if my hands didn't work that day, and I had to downgrade it and do a worse version? I'd had all these different systems in my head that maybe... And I remember walking out onto the stage, and I remember thinking to myself, no, nah, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I remember thinking, you know what? Nope, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to do this thing. 
I could feel the occasion. There was literally, I think, about 700 people in this audience in one of the ITV studios just sitting there, this wall of light and sound. And this and this all these cameras and Jonathan Ross and his host and these big screens and Panatella sitting in the front. And like I said, no one knew what to expect in the world. It had never been seen before. So it's not as if you can like look at it now and you know what it is. And now they're much kinder. This was just it was just uncharted territory. No one had ever been in it before. And the idea of that as a challenge was so appealing to me. I mean, I'm just a pervert, really, in that respect. But I thought I've, I've got to go in and do it. So I, I went out and. Uh, Teller had been asked to have a have a deck of cards on him, and he'd he'd bring them up, and all he had to do was make sure they were an ordinary deck of cards and that they were unprepared in any way, and that's all they were, and they were mixed. And so they came up, and I asked Teller and and to to, to bring the cards out, and and bear in mind this is the first time I ever performed this thing. I mean, I never it wasn't a piece I ever performed, like ever. I'd never done it for anyone. All I'd done is practice it in my hands. Like it was never, it was never a performance piece. It was just a stunt in my head. So I treated it as such. I tried to dress it up a bit, as you guys probably saw. But now I, I wouldn't. Now I'd, I'd do it differently. But so um, yeah, Teller came up and he had the cards and he took the cards out and I said shuffle them. And he, he actually washed them on the table. He did a big old wash. He mushed them all around everywhere. So it, he didn't just do like a shuffle in his hands. I mean he mushed them everywhere and i he then squared them all up and he handed them to me now now we'll we'll get on to this they cut that out of the recording so we had so many people like often when they look back and they went oh the aces there's actually one every sixth and there's one there's organized it was a switch we didn't see there was none of that what happened they just cut that out and those where the aces happened to be and that's what it was if they'd been in a different location that's where they would have been but and I'd have still done the same thing. But the they cut it out. And they cut that time out because uh, one of the other acts had gone on much, much longer than the allotted time. So they were trying to basically cut every second they could out of every other person's act. And it's only really magicians that appreciate what difference the shuffle makes. Whereas the executives and everyone else just often think to themselves, well, it doesn't matter. You've got the same effect. So we'll cut that bit out and that bit out and that bit out. And they cut. And as a result, the whole performance was a little bit choppy. There are other things I said that weren't ever aired and that linked it. So they just, they, they cut those, those bits out, which was annoying because I wanted them to see that shuffle happen. So, but, and this wasn't the end of the problems that happened, but, but my problems had only just begun because when I spread the, the cards on the table, and I started to shuffle, I realized that I couldn't do like all of the all of the skill and the technique I'd built up over years to be able to do the, the original techniques I'd developed to do it and the, my approach for it and the mindset of it, all of it. As soon as I began to shuffle the cards, they were so soft that they had no kind of like tensile strength. They had no like snap in them. You know what I mean? They didn't have that. They were just like, like I think I described it before as like being like ham or cheese, just soft meat. <laughs> they had no snap to them. So they just didn't, I couldn't feel the cards in the same way. They were just like, like pillows. And I was like, oh, and it's because he'd been sitting on them for three hours. Now, even though, you know, it, it, people don't realize this with television generally, but it, it takes long to film stuff. When you see something on television that lasts half an hour, guarantee you that that took seven weeks to film and 400 hours of preparation. I mean, it's long. So when um, 
when he'd sat on them for three hours, they'd have like a warm-up act on first and they'd had other bits and pieces. I can't remember what it is. A couple of other people that had come on that um, for whatever reason didn't make it or I didn't do what I can't even remember now. But uh, the, the he sat on them for three hours and so they were really warm and back in his back pocket. And so when I started shuffling these things, I realized that I basically couldn't control any of the numbers that I normally had. So I was having to like double improvise my normal methodology i was having to like peek on the fly make up that so what you see in there is kind of the worst way i ever ever done it in my life and i mean that and so it was kind of super open super bold so when people think oh you know you're peeking and looking i'm having to because I'm right there with the adrenaline going and I'm having to deal with that set of problems of thinking, wow, I've got all these people sitting there in silence going, come on then, magic boy, fool me. You know, that type of thing. I've got these two guys sitting down here breathing down my neck. I've set this premise up. I've walked out like Billy Big Bollocks. You know what I mean? Just kind of like being kind of, well, I'm, you know, going to do this. You know, I've set all that up and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in this position knowing that, oh my God, I don't think I can actually do this now. My hands. So I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to play. So I'm basically going to start using more misdirection than I need. I'm kind of going to try and turn it into style and use that style in a way while I try and, locate and play with the cards in a certain way and that was that was very very difficult but again very very quickly um i just kind of got into into the the moment with it and it's very much what i'm about it's why i don't like rehearse stuff i hate rehearse stuff it's why i love the lives it's why i love doing this most of what i do is just i like the element of improvisation i like how it feels i like feeling connected and live i i think that rehearsal is important i think that preparation technique practice all these things are important but ultimately i love to just let it go and i think that I remember in the filming of that feeling like this is the ultimate moment right now. I could feel the electricity of like all like hundreds of eyes on me. And so it it felt like, man, this is gonna really show what you're made of. Can you get to the end now? You know? So yeah. Very, 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 very tricky. And I managed to get to the end. Uh and then I did some other just one hand cutting sequence on top of it which is really just there to kind of make the other thing bigger to give it i just felt that what can i put on the end of it just to give it some kind of narrative what back i mean this is a kind of a 28 year old version of me thinking on the fly in order to do this thing on television that he's never performed before before you know so it's uh that's what that was and then there was no sense of anything from it it was just purely about having this kind of challenge and and that was really, really fun. But I mean, there was a really interesting aftermath. I mean, you know, for me, it opened up all this kind of stuff. I had kind of agents trying to get involved, um, some good, some awful. Um, I had uh, television companies and all different stuff start, you know, because I essentially, you know, I did well. I won the show essentially and went out to uh, Las Vegas to, to close their um, show out in Vegas. And that was great. And so, I mean, it was all brilliant, but I mean, to me, it was like, it, it wasn't really ever something that I was going for. I didn't want the fame, want the, want the attention. I was just, and I'm not trying to play this whole kind of, oh no, I'm much bigger than that or little old me. I'm not, I just didn't, wasn't thinking about it. It wasn't something that I was going for. It wasn't something that I was like, oh my God, this is my dream, my chance to do this thing. It was just, I did this challenge and that was fun. And now the challenge was over. And it's like, now there's this obligation to do all this other stuff. And it was, it was a very strange process to, to kind of fill myself in this 
wheel of obligation and um, procedure that I didn't care for. Um, so Instagrammers won't hear that as much as the people that I just did that right in front of the mic. Sorry, guys. So, yeah, that's what that was. And um, and so it, I was never really going for that. But all these other opportunities happened. And also on top of that, all these people watching it saying this is, you know, we watched the thing on live and and you um, uh, the, the, the shuffle was cut out. And no, no, they didn't even say that. They said the cards weren't shuffled or this thing was set up. Here's the thing. I even remember going into the, the control room saying to them, you are keeping these bits, aren't you? And then they went, yeah, 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 sure, sure, sure. And they sat down and had I mean, anyone that's out there in TV then that knows, I mean, I would know now how much you kind of don't trust people in edit suites. Trust me, because essentially the exec producer comes along and goes, don't listen, just put it back to the way they want. It's insane. I could tell you a million stories about TV stuff that would shock you. But the the bottom line is that, that I, I wanted all those shuffle sequences kept in. And they went, yeah, sure, sure. Literally sat down, green-lighted it. Yep, this, or green-lit it. It said, look, this is perfect. And then they cut it out of the broadcast with some excuse. And so, and I kind of, I don't even necessarily think it's wrong. Because only magicians that saw the difference anyway, and they're probably right. But, you know, as I know that there are probably there I know that there are people that were actually there on that day, and those people can pipe up and say they know what happened. That that was a hundred percent real, normal deck, genuinely shuffled doing that thing. Um, but like I said, I always say to people, there was no agenda on my part to do anything with it. There was there was nothing about just the moment. And try and put yourself back in a time before you ever knew about that show, when it was there was no concept of what it would be. You knew you were being judged. You had nothing to compare it to. It was unknown territory. It was very interesting. And show, so that was very exhilarating. And so the whole experience of it was was really kind of electrifying. And that's why when people have said to me, you know, uh, you know, will I, will, why don't you go back and do it again? And I'm like, there is literally nothing that interests me less in the world than than doing that again. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't matter if I had something that you could say, oh, you've got that thing you do that will definitely fool them. I just don't care. The challenge isn't the same. I mean, you could say, yeah, but the challenge could be, could you now fool them with less controversy? But um, that's not the point. Like, it's just, eh. I mean, why would I do it now? If, I, if For me, and I'm not judging anyone else that does it, right? But um, if, you know, if if I if I was to do it again, it wouldn't... It, it wouldn't be right. If anyone else wants to do it, great. That's good for them. I hope I hope you get what you want from it. But um, to me, it just holds no interest. It's one of the reasons that I've started up this company and, and we're doing this now, this, this right now here, right? With just you guys listening there and you guys listening here. Uh, by the way, for you M-worders, I am pointing at Instagram. Instagram know who I'm pointing to. Uh, but that this is more interesting and more challenging right now right now this of doing talking into this microphone whilst also trying to know that instagram is what just that alone is more interesting to me that's just this just the way i am um so you know that that's what that was you know that was just a a really strange experience and you know, I have a lot of people always like, well, you know, why don't you ever talk about it? You know, why don't you ever promote it and say what you did or you won that show or this is the thing? or, And I just, I'm just not, it was a thing I did 10 years ago, you know, and I'm proud of it. I'm absolutely proud of it. I'm proud of being involved in the very first one of it. I'm proud of going to Vegas and doing this stuff. And I'm, I'm proud of all those things. It's great, but it was just a thing I did, you know, and 
you know, for me to talk about it all the time is to somehow whip it up and turn it into something else. And whatever that something else is, I'm often really not that interested in getting it. So hence the reason why it just becomes this thing I don't talk about. And so often when I do things like that, people assume that the things I don't talk about must be things I hate or I'm, I'm not proud of or or I want to avoid. And it's not necessarily the case. It's just it's just a thing that happened. Um you know, um, but it was a great experience, amazing opportunity. Um, and yeah, it was, uh, it was a very cool thing. And the, like I said, what came from it was, you know, essentially a television show, my own series on channel four called trick artist that came from that essentially, you know, uh, and there were many other opportunities as well. Um, and, and you know, that, that, that is a whole nother story of madness, which one day I'll get into. And you have no idea the levels of insanity involved in that. Jeez. But again, I wouldn't swap any of it for the world because to me, it's like, I learned so much about myself. I learned so much about magic, other people, television. I learned so much about what drives people huge amounts. I will learn a lot about what truly makes me happy about what I want, what I don't want. Uh, and again, I find my, I found myself in a situation doing something where 90% of the engine is driven towards pushing you to do something that actually you don't really care about doing. And I've, I've constantly find myself in my life in those types of situations where I kind of have these opportunities happen that it's not that they're given to me, but it, I don't know. I somehow stumble into them because I don't, I'm not going for them. I can't I can't describe it in any way. There's some strange, weird, reverse psychology going on where I just kind of just... And most people always assume that everyone is operating with an agenda. Like everyone's got some long-term plan, some thing. They're going for this and they're doing that to get this. And you know what? A lot of people are. Those that know me closely know that that's not what I do. You know, I, I have, you know, aspirations and kind of things that I want to develop now with the company and bits and pieces. But ultimately... I just try and pursue the things that I love and I try and pursue something that makes me happy. And then I think the more I go towards that goal or that thing, then I'll figure out how to live or I'll figure out how to survive or do well in it or whatever. But I just keep doing that and I'll avoid the things I don't like. But in the meantime, I want to try all this stuff. So I try all kinds of things and I fail at some and and then others I kind of do well at. And that doesn't necessarily define where, where I stay, but some I enjoy more, some I enjoy less. Uh, and then I just kind of slowly orientate myself. And I that process of doing that is interesting to me. And I find it really enjoyable. I've discovered a lot about myself, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at. I, do, I make deep friends along the way. And, you know, I, I would encourage more people to, to take those risks and uh, operate and think in that way. You know, don't be f scared of failure. You know, believe me. Yeah, the amount of failure I've had is ridiculous. The amount of things I've failed at, I've done badly at in my life is unbelievable. Um, but I don't really care in a way. I'm just going to go, yep, that's a thing. And I learned this and I got that from it. Brilliant. Like it doesn't, I just don't think of it in the same way. Um, and that's a really good thing. And so, yeah, I'm trying to think. But, you know, that's a whole different area to go down. Let's try and drink away from the M word as Mike. Let's go. There we go. Or I could do the drinking I did on the M episode of the M Word last week, where I did it extra slurpy. <laughs> Just to annoy a few of you. Uh, right, where was it? So, yes, yeah, so um, yeah, that's that's really the kind of aspects of the story of that. Um, and I think that what's really interesting about about 
the real ice cutting thing or what the that real method is that most i then kind of taught another method to the magic world and that other method was a method that was based on a much much more simple premise and i've never taught the method that i had on penatella ever i never taught it to anyone not a single person um and i don't know if i ever will i may do but it's very very complicated i mean i know there are some people that can almost simulate it but i'm still to this day have not seen anyone that actually done it um and i don't even know where i begin teaching it but here's another thing it's an interesting kind of game but I think that the simpler methods, the methods that I've put in print in other areas, in real ace cutting, and in, and just to be confusing, I called those methods real ace cutting. <laughs> just to kind of throw more kind of madness into the mix. But those methods, I think, are better, even though they can be done by anyone, because they allow you to perform it. They allow you to sink into it and truly perform it. Whereas the, the, the actual method, the genuine method of doing it for real, you can't perform it. You are locked into having to do it. You know, it's like bondage. bondage. You, you are at the mercy of it. You are at the mercy of the cards. You're at the mercy of the moment. Adrenaline. All of those things. Why would you put yourself through it? So the other methods, I believe, are infinitely better. And so I then started... It really taught me about really truly appreciating how much better those types of methods were not just for that effect of cutting aces and to me the idea of cutting aces is it's not even an effect i particularly like it's it's just a way of approaching a problem and it's a very clean way of communicating control over chaos and it's a way of communicating every single gambling routine you've ever come across with one routine you'd find them it says everything you want to say right so to me it was an exercise in philosophy more than anything else but the point is that playing with philosophy playing with technique playing with that stuff really kind of helped me crystallize what i wanted to do with my work and with technique um and yeah and so uh it was it was it it, it was a crystallizing experience for me and one that i i will probably well, not probably. I'll always, always treasure. And I've probably left out. I'm just trying to think. I'm sure I've left out like a million things that from, from what actually happened. But yeah, I've, I mean, it's I've never really spoken about about it at length, but it, it was a really strange. I mean, even the filming of it, I mean, was just I remember just this sense in the air of no one knowing what to expect because no one, Penn and Teller coming over is a brand new show. It's a one-off pilot. It's a one-off special. That's one of the other reasons I decided to do it, by the way, is I thought to myself, well, look, it's not my show. You know, if the show does badly, it's not mine. I'm just some guy in it that everyone will forget. Who cares? You know what I mean? That's what I thought. I thought, meanwhile, I'll learn something about myself. I'll learn something. I think I was never trying to get anything from it. If I go back, it was never something I was trying to get. Well, I suppose I was. I was trying to learn something, but I wasn't trying to put myself somewhere or use it as a launch pad. It was just, it was just something, an experience. And that's the best way I can say it. That's you know, and that's me just being truthful and honest about it. But yeah, the filming was crazy. It took a huge amount of time, and there were you know other people that never made the cut or never made the air and. 
Um, this is the first time I really got to spend a lot of time with John Archer, who also won that show um, and went to, came to Vegas with me. Um, and so it was the first time I got to spend time with him properly. Um, and yeah, it it was a it was a great experience, and I'm glad I took the plunge and took the risk. But I'm telling you this, I, I was shitting myself before doing it. I can sit there and a lot of people often say to me about being relaxed or natural and I am a lot of the time very relaxed, very natural because I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable. I'm very comfortable with that. I often put myself in places that when I feel that adrenaline rush and I feel that sense of unpreparedness, right? Or that that sense of of dread that you get. Which anyone that performs or puts themselves in those environments and say they don't get that, they're either lying or they don't do it enough. Uh, or they're a sociopath, um, or an egomaniac, I don't know. But I think something happens, I think, that I've got so used to being uncomfortable that I just deal with it. But if I go back to that moment, I was terrified. Like, I was genuinely terrified. I mean, I know when I see myself, I'm, I've only watched, genuinely, I've watched it back once, ever. Um, and the night when it was broadcast, I had all of my friends come over, and um, I don't even really think I watched it then. I think I think I went into the kitchen and made food. I might have made toast while they were watching it. I always find that thing very embarrassing, you know? That's the other thing about promoting stuff as well. I mean, this is something... Uh, do you know what? I'm going to talk about this on, on the M-Word and another episode of the M-Word, another one about the concept of naturalness and the concept of uh, not self-promotion, but style and what you're doing. I've got a whole thing I want to talk about in that area. I'll go off for another hour if I talk about that here now. But um, yeah, so it, I, I I was shit scared, and and that's just something you have to deal with sometimes. But sometimes it's it's worth taking the plunge. What's the worst that can happen, right? What's the worst that can happen? You fail. So what? You know, it's not. Someone can say yeah, but come on, Ben. You know, <laughs> some people be it will crush them. I mean, all right, maybe then maybe the game isn't for you. Like that's just what the game is. That's 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 what it is. And actually, there's a different way of looking at it. You can look at it and be thrilled by those challenges. You know, I I would I would urge a lot of people to take more risks. You know, dare to dare to do things that others haven't, and see what happens. Um. So yes, that's that. We well, you know. Then another thing, quickly. Uh, you know, I don't know if I, someone's just mentioned something about would I ever teach the actual method I used on Panatella? I don't know. Maybe one day. But it's something that might take me a very, very long time to even think about doing. But yeah, so that's that. Um, so I thought this was a nice kind of impromptu thing to put together, considering it's like I said, Panantella uh, doing their seventh season of Fool Us tonight, which, um, you know, I'm not taking any credit for whatsoever, making their show successful in the very first. Not taking any credit for. No, I'm not. I'm really not. No, I'm not. Of course I'm not. No, no, of course not. Um, but you know, it was ten years ago now. Ten years ago, and uh, that's kind of amazing to me. Ten years ago, and their seventh season is about to to come on now, and just felt like an interesting thing for me to kind of play with talking to not only all of you M worders on here, but talking to some of the guys on Instagram, playing with this moment, trying to kind of be honest in it, and also giving an insight into elements of how we record the M-word and stuff like that. So yeah, that's that. That's that story. Uh, this isn't the total end of the M-word yet, guys. I know we've got to 30 minutes, but I'm going to take some questions from the guys on Instagram now. So I'm going to look through and we're going to take some questions. I might answer a couple of those. 
just over the next kind of five, six minutes or so, and then then we'll wrap up this episode of the M Word. I'll stop. And then we'll speak to some of you guys over there in a second. But right, so here we go. So I'm going to try and take some um, questions. Oh, yes. Yeah, so someone's asked, who was the off-screen magic judge back then? Johnny Thompson. Yes, it was Johnny Thompson. So that was one of the things, by the way, with that show, because Penn and Teller had said, like, oh, they had, I hadn't fooled them, and that, that kind of stuff happened. And I think that um, the reason was because... I mean, I didn't care either way. I mean, but Johnny Thompson was in Jonathan Ross's ear saying, nope, he has fooled them. They don't know what he's doing. Because they were saying false shuffle and stuff like this. And okay, I suppose false shuffles were happening. But in otherwise, it would just be regular shuffles. I mean, I was openly telling them that I was doing sleight of hand to manipulate and find these aces. So obviously, I wasn't just shuffling. Obviously, I'm using those shuffles in, in a a way that they're not intended in order to be able to locate these cards. So in a way, the word false shuffle does imply, but it's not really what I was doing. I mean, they didn't know how I was doing and getting those things. And so they made that argument. But you know what? I don't even care. I mean, I kind of like the controversy of it. It was fun. So what, man? It was it was fun. Uh, but yes, yeah, Johnny Thompson was in their ear. So I, I had to show him uh, what I, I was doing. Uh, he... He's the only person who, and I showed him what I was doing and how I was doing it. He's the only person that I showed that to. And um, unfortunately, rest his whole, he is no longer with us. You know, that's a crazy thing. But uh, he was very kind to me as well. Someone once asked him at a convention in the UK, the session convention in London. Someone once asked him like, what was the, the best thing he saw in all of his years of doing the Pan and Teller thing. And, you know he said what i did and I, I genuinely i was a bit like huh what and i i i couldn't believe it i i was blown away by that um i mean he's he was completely wrong but that's not the point that's what he thought so great so that's my you know one thing about that i thought that was great so you know i thought it was really cool uh let's take another couple of questions uh let's have a look let's go Oh, yeah, yeah. Henry White, who's a uh, general manager at Studio 52, said he was in the room. Yeah, that's the thing. So Henry and I are now working together at Studio 52. And it's weird because this was the first time. I didn't know Henry back then. But Henry was in the audience. And the the deliberation did go on forever. Because they were saying, well, he hasn't fooled us because we know what's happening. And then the Johnny was like, yes, but you have no idea what he's doing. You couldn't say any any of the... You have no idea. And they were like, well, he's just shoveling him, getting him out. And then Johnny Thompson was like, yes, but that's not standard. That's, you know... and. Uh, it would this went on for a long time and i just stood like kind of just went like this and stood in the background um and i had to somehow think oh, i better try and hold my own and someone said do you full shuffle i don't know and i'm like well no because i was never trying to openly i was never trying to simulate real shuffling i was never trying to go oh i'm shuffling them and really i'll do a false that was never it i was just using methods i know to kind of gain access over those cards that would like move things around but i didn't even think of them as full shuffles but you know what you end up in a whole world of semantics you do and you know what i don't care i don't care it was fun and you know it's card tricks you know who cares so it was uh i found that great so let's have a look um Let's go and look. Oh, yeah. Did you do a slip cut? Uh, probably. Probably if I was moving a few cards around. But here's the other thing. That method, what I did that night, I was having to improvise even more and glimpse things on the fly and work out how to roll the deck so that I could put it down and do revelations that might give me a chance of spotting cut. Like I was having to double 
improvise even on my own methods because the cards didn't work so i mean that's one of the reasons why i think i remember watching it once afterwards for the edit and i was like Ugh! like when i watched it it was ugly to me so i just like oh my god that's nowhere close to what i did so in a weird way it became misdirection for most magicians thinking oh that's his method and that's what he does i'm like that's nothing like what i do so um yeah it was fun did mad, mad crazy weird experience <clears throat> Right, we'll we'll take one more question from the guys on Instagram, and then I might kind of try and wrap this up with the M worders and do that. I don't know how. We'll see. So, uh, <clears throat> all right. Oh, I hope this has been interesting for everyone. I hope it's been interesting for you guys uh, and the guys on Instagram. Please give us a feedback. See what you think. See what you thought of it. I mean, I've enjoyed doing it, but yeah, who knows. So, yeah, if, if you do like the podcast, if you are listening to this right now, please go to Apple Podcasts. Is that right? Yes. And rate and review. It genuinely makes a massive difference. Any of you guys on Instagram that don't listen to the M-word, please come in and listen. You know, um, it's only just that it's in, in its infancy and we've got big plans for things I want to talk about and do. And so there's all kinds of stuff I want to do. I'm still playing and still discovering. So, you know, if you guys love it, you know, please let us know. Uh, M-worders, Pigeon Army. You guys, I hope you're having fun. We'll try and do one more. Please, please keep doing this. Oh, I'll try my best. Uh, so look, there you go. All right. If no more questions are going to come in, then I will. I will kind of try and wrap it up. I'll give it another kind of like ten seconds to see if any come in, and then we'll see. Um, so let's have a look. You know what? Look, you know what? I'll end up saying saying uh so here we go oh look this is a question about the podcast do you have a plan on bringing people on to interview on the podcast right so the answer to that is no for this podcast okay so this is a little sneak thing i don't know if i've ever tipped this before i don't think i have but this is just one podcast and there's a reason why the m word is what it is is because this is an outlet for me it's a cathartic release which i might be musing about something it might you know it might be magic i've got one plan i've said at one point is i'm going to start talking about a really boring subject and in the middle of it i'm going to drop some bombs right and then go back to talking a boring subject i've got weird plans to use the m word for um you know i, I also uh, want it to use a stream of consciousness like i said a cathartic release an outlet for some of my ideas and theories about magic and I hope people can kind of vibe with that. But I also am going to be doing some other podcasts. So I'm not going to bring anyone onto the M word, but the I'm going to be doing another podcast with someone else and maybe something else as well. So there's a lot of those types of things which are um, happening. So yes, stand by for that. Um, another question, uh, how did you find Jonathan Ross? That's a really good question. I'm going to end on that. So it'd be really good to end on talking about someone else as well. I wasn't talking about myself all the goddamn time. So, um, right. So how did you find Jonathan Ross? Jonathan Ross is one of the most unbelievably powerful people I've ever met in my life. He almost had mind control over me. He was just in such control of that space and that moment, just so effortless with his control it's the type of mastery that you don't see that often with someone that is so able to be unbelievably relaxed that they can almost by will control your mind 
It's like a comedian that's been on the stage a thousand times in front of an audience. They they have the power and all they need is a microphone. It doesn't matter what anyone does or says. They're just going to nail it. He had all of that energy without having to take control. Very impressive. It was. I was never a particular fan or didn't did like or dislike Jonathan Ross. I was just. But when I was around him and you know his presence he had, it was um very special. It's like being around like a, like a warlock or a shaman. Very. It was amazing. So um. That was a kind of a very, very, very cool thing. Uh, oh, look, the Archinis jumped in. John, hey, man. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a, a very, very cool thing. Um, uh, yeah. So, right, I'm going to wrap this up for you guys on the M Word. I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Like I said, go to Apple Podcasts. Please like, su- subscribe, share, do all of that jazz. Um, yes, and come back. This is episode 15. We'll be back ASAP with episode 16. We'll see you guys soon. This was a Studio 52 production. For more information, visit studio52magic.com or find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Studio 52 Magic. <laughs>